to Episode 4 of the Legacy Video Lounge. I'm your host, Steve Pender. I'm a personal historian and video biographer and president of Family Legacy Video Incorporated in Tucson, Arizona. You can visit Family Legacy Video on the web at familylegacyvideo.com. In this segment, I welcome my first guest to the lounge, and I can't wait for you to meet her. I'll introduce you right after this. My grandparents started our family business with a used truck and a dream. Now we have a fleet. And when my kids join the company, their great-grandparents are going to tell them how it all began, thanks to Family Legacy Video. Now you can share your life stories and a custom legacy video your family will cherish. To learn more, visit FamilyLegacyVideo.com or call 520-743-4090. That's 520-743-4090. FamilyLegacyVideo.com. Okay, now while the Legacy Video Lounge is dedicated primarily to video biography, I thought it might be fun to have a chat with a personal historian colleague of mine who works mostly on the print side of personal history. She's Kristen Delaplane. Uh, Kristen comes from a writing family. Her dad, Stanton Delaplane, was a Pulitzer Prize recipient and a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. Kristen wrote for the Chronicle as well for many years, and now she helps people capture their family or company stories through oral history interviews and historical and genealogy research, with the end result often being a carefully crafted narrative for a custom-bound book. Her clients have included notable American families and celebrities, including Best Actor Oscar winners and a Kennedy Center honoree. Kristen recently stopped by the lounge for a chat, during which we talked about her career, what drew her to personal history, and her new book, Storytelling, How to Write an Inspiring Memoir, Oral History, or Family Genealogy. And now, without further ado, here's part one of that interview. Well, Kristen, welcome to the Legacy Video Lounge. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Oh, thank you. You're you're our very first it's guest. A, it's very loungy. <laughs> good, good. That's what we're going for. Now, I wanted to. You know, uh, we've done a few episodes uh, already. Uh, people that have been listening know that uh, the podcast itself is is mainly dedicated to video biography because that's what I'm all about. But but I do want to bring in some other points of view and, and, and let the listeners know of other ways that their stories uh, and their personal histories can be preserved and captured and, and celebrated. And, and uh, so I wanted to have you on the show because while you work in print quite a bit, uh, we, we do have some similarities. I mean, first of all, you and I were personal historians. Um, we do have a passion. We share a passion for capturing personal history. We uh, we both work in multiple formats, even though we have our our primary formats. So you know your uh, long history in print, but uh, you know you do some audio, and you're starting to dabble in video. And then I'm I do video and 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 audio, and and it's kind of interesting in that we both uh, while we create. Uh, the fancy word is bespoke, you know, but while we create pro- projects for hire, uh, at some points in our careers, we've also created uh, like do-it-yourself type uh, projects uh, or, or products. So I've got a, a producer's guide and some webinars. You have a, a recent book and we're going to be be talking about that. So that's, that's kind of why I wanted you uh, on the show. 
Plus, you're close. <laughs> you're here in Tucson, too. 20 minutes. Yep. And, um, and we're both members of the Association of Personal Historians. Correct. Uh, at least at, right at this point in time. Yes. And so anyway, so for all those reasons, I wanted to introduce folks to you. And we've also done a joint presentation in the past. Which uh, was a, great fun, and yeah. I thought very successful. Mm-hmm. Yep, to a local group. So, so, so why don't you... Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Kristen? Tell you know, tell me and, and the listeners a little bit about yourself. What's your what's your history? What led you to your current emphasis on, on okay. personal history? Well, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I grew up on pure oral history because my father used to regale us with the stories of our family history. And it was always, tell that story again, tell that story again. Never got tired of the repeat. So then I was the uh, inquiring photographer for the San Francisco Chronicle for over 20 years. Actually, I think it's close to 25. Mm. And in that course of asking people the question of the day, they weren't questions about politics and topics of the day. They were more personal questions. And that led me to understand sort of what a whole life was about, actually. And when I read Studs Terkel, I went, I knew exactly what he was doing. I could, ju- I could see how he put it all together. So I thought, well, I can't schlep around the city of San Francisco streets all my life, lugging a backpack and a Polaroid camera. So I went over to UC Berkeley and took an oral history course. And... That was in 90, 1990, mm-hmm. and I had my first client in 1991. She was 100 years old, wow. my goodness, <laughs> but sharp as a tack and told a wonderful story. And I found that I was really very comfortable in that genre. And so because I could write and I could, and I could do interviews, that was no problem for me. Mm-hmm. And once I learned the way to ask oral history questions, I was on a roll. So uh, from there, I had some clients, and I also started teaching oral history methods. This is through the 90s. Um, and I then got a, had a museum uh, job where I did, I initiated it, and it was over 50 interviews of people in the orchard industry. That taught me a whole nother side of how to show objects against oral history and how to tell people's stories and combine it into a subject matter. For instance, at the Tucson uh, Desert Art Museum right now, they're having a show on the Braceros, Mm -hmm. and it's much the same kind of thing that they've, they've done with that subject matter. Mm-hmm. And for folks that might not know, braceros define that. Braceros are a um, pair of arms. And the bracero program started in, um, I believe it, I'm, I'm sorry, didn't pay that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the 40s, but it may have been the 30s. And they brought uh, labor from Mexico here in to do work, mm-hmm. and the, uh, thus the Braceros. I believe they're still known as Braceros, mm. if you will. So, um, let's see, I, had, I was at the Chronicle, I quit the Chronicle, I was doing these jobs, and um, 
I was fortunate enough to make some connections with the film industry. And from that, I've had a couple of clients that have actually been Oscar winners. Mm. I don't mention their names mm -hmm. simply because I've never asked them if I could. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like to do that. But mm -hmm. And also, I don't know. They're so well known. Mm -hmm. Would I get bombarded by the press? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but... That has taught me, that has allowed me to do a full scope of doing the oral history, writing it as a narrative. I had a history column for five years mm. during this time where I was recording the history of um, Solano County in California. And that taught me a lot of research methods mm. and, and looking up history. So I was adding to the whole scheme of the product. So when I was doing these large-scale family histories, I was doing the genealogy, I was doing the historical research on places, and putting together an actual book that was written as a narrative. Mm. Yeah, so then Un University of California at Davis, I did an online course for over eight years on oral history methods. Teaching the course. Teaching. Yep. Okay. And that was pretty fun because mm -hmm. it was doing everything. So now I had all this material from that course and my computer files weren't all that organized. <laughs> and I thought I'd put together this book, Storytelling, How to Write an Inspiring Memoir, Oral History, and Family Genealogy. Mm -hmm. And that has just been published through Amazon. Mm -hmm. So all of the information that I've gathered through those years, I compiled in this book. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And we're going to be uh, delving into the book in, in a little bit. And thanks for that, that background. Let's talk a little bit about personal history, uh, just, just kind of on a, a, I don't know, global scale or, or what, uh, in the years since you've been involved with personal history as a, as a personal historian, are you sensing any kind of a sea change in, in the public's awareness of the importance of, of personal history or just the awareness that such a thing exists? Oh, somewhat. When I started out, I had to educate people, really educate them mm. about what the heck I was doing. And often people still call me a genealogist. Mm -hmm. They yeah, don't yeah. get it. Mm -hmm. But so it's it's but it is slowly changing and especially with you know um programs like this uh, roots and mm -hmm. um I think there was a who do you think you are? Right, right. And those have helped somewhat even though their genealogy at least you can go to people and you can say, you know how you see these programs? Wouldn't it be fabulous to be able to pull down your great-great-grandmother's biography? Mm. Now, play that forward mm. and how, how that would feel for your descendants. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, it's going to get lost because yeah. there is a time frame on all this. So... I just kind of cut it to that chase when I'm explaining it to people mm -hmm. and either they get it or they don't, mm -hmm. you know, um, I do, I am teaching a class right now. I live in a senior community mm -hmm. and this is a no charge thing, but I have a, a class for the people on the, doing their memoirs or their, you know, correlating their genealogy or whatever. And I'm getting quite a big group of people in that age group who want 
to do this and realize that it's going to be lost. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very promising because I always thought the people to market more were like the 50-ish year old who realizes that, gee, grandmother, you know, and mother and father aren't going to be around that long. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to know that maybe the older people are maybe a little more aware. Mm. So your book, Storytelling, How to Write an Inspiring Memoir, Oral History, or Family Genealogy, uh, you know, that's designed to help help folks do it themselves, right? Before we get to that, what is your uh, what is your process? You know, I mean, you're in the book. You're kind of outlining a process for people to do it themselves, and we'll talk about that. But uh, when someone hires you to create uh, a, a legacy in print, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what is the process you follow? Well, let's go through one I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a um, oral history project. It's primarily oral history project. Um, for a tugboat fleet company up in the Bay Area. And there's going to be three captains that we're going to be interviewing. So the first thing I did was, of course, tell them the cost <laughs> <laughs> and get them on board for that because it, you know, it is costly. It's time consuming. Yeah, it's- let me, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you mentioned cost. And that's, that's, that's uh, I know for those of us in the business, that's always, an issue. Do you do you find a lot of resistance to to cost? Uh, you know, to the price points that we need to charge in order to do it right. Well, it depends who you're talking to. Yeah. You know yeah. what they expect. I mean, I have. I've certainly I've lost jobs because mm-hmm. they had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you for for an interview session, I figure um, that that okay. So it's an hour and a half. I'm going to interview them. But there's a setup and the breakdown. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be factored in. Um, then you have the transcription, which is anywhere from three to four hours if you're doing it yourself because you know what they said. Um, still three to four hours mm-hmm. to transcribe. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have, well, I don't know how many people use an editor, but I do. Because mm. <laughs> I. I make mistakes. (laughs) So I always like to have an editor. Mm. And and if I'm breaking it down into a narrative account, of course, that's that is adds to it because now you're, you know, now you're writing a book. Yeah. Yeah. And then I want to have two kinds of editors. I don't want it. I want to have, you know, somebody that can look at it for the grammar, but I also want somebody to look at it for how it's put together. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in other words, people, and I run into this too on the video side, folks who are just aren't familiar with what it takes mm-hmm. to put something like this so together, you have they to don't explain. understand the yeah. hours. You have to know. explain the process to them yeah. so they get that it's like this. Yeah. Now, I I didn't have any problem with this one. I'm telling Yeah, let's get back here. I took us off the track yeah, there, but right. let's get, let's I'll get, get back. us back on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the next thing was to research the company mm-hmm. because you cannot just go in with your cookie cutter questions mm. or topics. Um, you have to go in and know a little bit about the family and what's going on. So there's a couple of ways to do that. Um, oftentimes I will interview other family members briefly just to get 
some information about them. And I often use those inter- those interviews as an as the introduction to the actual transcript or book or whatever it is, introducers mm. to the person because they always have a little different fix about the person mm-hmm. that's kind of fun. And um, with the talk about company, I've had to go and get some other oral histories and read them. I've had to go and get a couple of books and read about them and some magazine articles and stuff. This has been a little more intensive because it's historical research Mm. as well. But I gave them all a task, and I give this to people I'm going to interview. It works and doesn't work, but I always do it hoping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's a timeline. Mm. And I have them put down every year of their life or every year of the business and put some notation about what happened then. Some years will be blank, but something benchmarked that happened that they remember during that time. Mm. Because that's going to help me um, in, in having topics for them. Sure, sure. So once I have that, then we go in. Again, I say topics because, of course, I never say, uh, where were you born? Mm-hmm. I say, tell me about. Mm-hmm. Walk me through. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe exactly. You want you want questions that evoke more descriptive answers. You don't you, want simple yes or no or one word answers. Right. You know? You're right. Yeah. You need to do that. And I consider an ex a good a good interview is when I do a transcript and I don't see my voice on mm-hmm. it hardly <laughs> at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's a, to me has been a good interview day. Sure. And then, and then going forward, you take that material, and and I guess depending on the um, on the wants and the needs of the client or the budget, then there are different kinds of books that can be produced from. Right. Well, you know. first of all, you want to have one complete trans a transcript. Mm-hmm. You don't want all the ums and ors and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. You kind of edit that out, but you don't edit it too much. Mm-hmm. And you have one complete transcript, and that's for their files, and that's for your files. You have to have that. And then you work from that. Um, if they want a narrative account, then you go to that. And if they just want the transcript, then you leave it at that. Books um, depends, you know, what their budget is and where they're going. Uh, for my clients, for a lot of them, it's been uh, a, a book binder in Long... Is it Long Island? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, anyway, New York, who um, is... A, considered the best bookbinder in America, mm-hmm. honestly. He's done books for the Pope. He's done, you know, for royalty in Europe mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. forth. So his name is Paul Vogel, V-O-G-E-L, Vogel Bindery. And um, for those books, um, we set out the format. Now, I use Publisher mm-hmm. for formatting my books. And then I send that to Howard Hawk, H-O-K-E, um, in, uh, he's in New Hampshire, and he puts together these signatures of what they are that have to go to the binder, mm. bindery. There's another good bindery in Oregon I like, uh, Oregon Book Binding, and they mm-hmm. don't do the spectacular books that Paul mm-hmm. does, but they do very decent ones. Mm. And they do uh, the um, Smith Smith binding, I think it is mm-hmm. called. 
anyway, or oversewn stitch. Mm-hmm. I don't remember all these terms, but when I get down to it, then I do. Because mm-hmm. they're spaced out when you do them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how, how I do it. I'm working with a school on their history, too. And um, I, they want to do a pic, more of a pictorial, but I told them kind of the same thing. Go in and set out your, you know, your chapters of what you think they're going to be, and then put it together like magazines do with sleeves, transparent sleeves, and have you know your first page, your copyright page, your so on and so on, all laid out in that binder. Mm-hmm. Now, I usually have a long picnic table and I have piles for different chapters and I'm moving stuff around all the time. But that's kind of the organizational tool is I know I have to have a title page. I know I have to have a copyright page. I know I'm going to have table of contents. Those are all in these transparent sleeves laid out in the binder the way that it's going to be mm-hmm. in the book. And if I have any thoughts about something, ooh, I want to put that in the forward or I want to put that in, then I tuck that into that sleeve and when I'm ready to get to that, I'll pull that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, 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 it's interesting. It's kind of, I do a lot of the same kinds of things with video, it's a, except I don't have a picnic table. But, you know, it's that... Well, you have pretty big space you're tables right. here. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of you got to find it, kind of figure out what the story is, and then you winnow it down and decide how mm-hmm. to present it. That's that's terrific. You know, one of the things that I like to touch on when I talk about personal history and preserving it in whatever format you're going to preserve it in, are, you know, there have been some benefits. Uh, you know, we like to tell people what the benefits are of doing something like this. Do any benefits come to mind? Anything from your personal experience? Things that you've seen particularly benefited your clients from from doing projects like this or reactions from their family? Yeah, I think what always happens Mm -hmm. when you uh, interview the family member or even if you go back in genealogy and do that, they always say, I never knew that. Primary um, example to me was when I interviewed that 100-year-old woman Mm. and we had a book party at the senior center. And her granddaughters, now this is a family that had multi-generations lived together, actually. And the granddaughters stood up and said, I've known this woman all my life, and I never really knew her. Mm. To me, that says it all. We don't, I just saw it yesterday on Roots, that something had come up about this person's grandfather. Mm -hmm. And he said, and she said, I never knew that. <laughs> and this is the grandfather that she's around all. He was an orphan. Mm. And she said, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, mm. it's inc- it, it seems incredible the things that we don't ask our parents or grandparents about their life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's an important point. I, I remember a bunch of years ago sitting down to interview a lady uh, in New York State, and um, we were just doing doing some of the preliminary chit-chat as we set up the lights and adjusted the sound, and I just was asking her some questions, and, and her daughter was standing nearby, and and she said, you know, I'm hearing things I've never... <laughs> she's telling you things I've never heard before, never thought to ask, you yeah. know, so it's, I, think it's, I think it's very important that um, if you have the wherewithal 
to hire a professional personal historian that you do it because I think quite often the people who you are interviewing, the storytellers, are more apt to uh, uh, divulge certain information oh, absolutely. to an outside I mean, person. I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. I go to the hairdresser. Mm -hmm. She knows more about my life than anybody. Yep, yep. And I think guys go to the bar. Mm -hmm. The bartender ends up knowing more because guys never talk about anything or ask each mm -hmm. other anything. Um, so absolutely, I think having that third party there, for whatever reason, we feel more comfortable mm. talking about things. It probably, with family, it gets wrapped up in all kinds of, uh, I don't know yeah, what. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there might be a hesitancy to ask certain things, or, yeah. you know, the storyteller might just assume you know most of a story already, so we won't elaborate. But at least with, like, if you come in or I come in, they know we don't know their history, so right. they're going to tell us. Right, the... and that's the mm -hmm. other thing. Um, you often see that people will give their grandparent a book to fill in the blanks. Very unsuccessful, in my opinion. Um, or ask them to record their story on a on, digitally. Mm. You know, be easier for you to talk it out. The thing is, you're not providing them an audience. And we all tell better stories when we have an audience. Yeah, that's a great point. So it is, you know, it's, it's paramount that, that that be in there. Mm -hmm. Whether the family can do it themselves from learning from tips in a book like mine, mm -hmm. or which I think can help families. I think they can be more successful at it mm -hmm. if they kind of follow some of these ideas. But yes, talking to a stranger... I think they're, of course, that's what we want because we want to mm -hmm. be hired. Exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it is it is a better way. It is the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, I think so. This is a second best, in my mm -hmm. opinion, is the do -it having yourself, the yeah. do-it-yourself. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I'll tell you what. We're, we're, we're getting near time here. So what we're going to do is we're going to break right now, and, uh, and then we're going to, uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk all about your book. How about that? Oh, I love that. Okay. So uh so that's it for this session and we'll be uh we'll well, we'll be back <laughs> talking with Kristen Delaplante. Thanks, Thank you Kristen. for having me. That's it for this segment of the Legacy Video Lounge. In our next episode, Kristen Delaplane talks more about her book and offers up some tips for those of you who'd like to write your own memoirs. If you have any questions or comments, please email them to me at steve at familylegacyvideo.com. And if you like what you hear, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, I'm Steve Pender reminding you that everyone has a story. Isn't it time you told yours? Yeah.